I keep thinking about this verse in Romans 12, 3 that combines these two things, thinking of yourself realistically, but also thinking of yourself in terms of where your value and identity is. Mm. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. Mm. So you're not measuring yourself by yourself or by anybody else. You're measuring yourself only according to what you've been given yes. as a gift, which right. creates a whole bunch of humility. Because <laughs> if everything I have and am is a gift, then where's the room for pride in that? Welcome to the Really Real Podcast, where one host is an imposter, and the other two must complete the task of completing the podcast while trying to eject somebody from the studio. Here's Anson, Kara, and Isaac. Welcome to the Really Real Podcast, a show where three friends sit down for a drink and some refreshingly honest conversation about real life. We are so glad to be back with you after a bit of a winter break. How was your guys' winter break? It was so great. I did nothing. <laughs> I sat inside, drank hot beverages, and oh, just looked out the window. I'm serious. Yeah. It was awesome. Basically, the story that, of the last year, though, right? I know, is sitting yeah. around inside and doing nothing. It's just the temperature of the beverage that yeah, changes yeah, depending on the season. Went from iced coffee to hot coffee. And yeah, pretty yeah. sure my winter break was the same. Yeah, yeah that's okay. it. Well, that just about covers it then. <laughs> the Thanks, end. guys. No, today on the show, we have some new segments that we're introducing yes. for the spring, many of which I'm very excited about. The first mm-hmm. of which is called Quote of the Week, and this is where we serve up a little nugget of wisdom to snack on. Maybe you a few french fries, too. I'm <laughs> always for a nugget of wisdom when Chick-fil-A sauce is included oh, as yes, well. Please. So Isaac will be sharing with us his Quote of the Week this week that involves avoiding people Jesus spent his time engaging. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. Our second new segment is, is it just me? Dot, dot, dot. (laughs) And in this week's edition, I am discussing, should we, or should we not tell people that we like them more? Our third segment, and perhaps the most personally exciting to me is the panel of experts. They said we could be anything, so we became experts on everything. I love it. Because that's just what our society does nowadays, right? That's true. So we've decided to fully embrace that (laughs) and pretend to be experts on things that we're not. You'll get a taste of that a little bit later in the show. We are keeping the word of the week. We've really enjoyed diving into different words and Mm -hmm. comparing and contrasting our approaches to these words and just kind of unpacking what we think of them. Yeah. And so this week's word of the week is going to be Humility. Mm. Briefly, I wanted to open our conversation with this question. Can you remember an occasion in your life where you were humbled by something? (laughs) Yes. And are you willing to share (laughs) what that something something? is? Yeah, I've uh, I've got a very specific radio example from like my very first radio job. Really? Yeah. I was a little baby college student at the little AM radio station in my hometown And I came in for my first training shift and they trained me for about 10 minutes. And then they were like, "Okay, I got to go do some stuff here. You run the board. Uh -uh. (laughs) And so there was a basketball tournament going on that we were broadcasting because that's what you do in a small town Mm -hmm. on an AM radio station. In between segments, there's this tricky thing that happens where you have to turn off the live microphones where things are being broadcast and push a button to play the commercial. Mm-hmm. And there's all these, like, it seems simple now. Right. But as a rookie With radio person. With 10 minutes person, of training, it's a little involved. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So I pushed the wrong button, mm-hmm. turned down the wrong dial. So 
the announcers are still live. Uh-huh. The commercial is not playing. And in the background, you can hear the announcers going, hey, call something's going on. They're calling the station manager oh, to tell no. them, like, please go help our new oh, <laughs> student. Up, yeah. She has no idea what's going on. So they come running in. They're like, what happened? And they try to fix everything. And I'm like, I don't know. I just touched the button. Yeah. I don't know. Definitely. And it was very uh, humbling slash humiliating. Yes, yeah, I get that. Mine was in the process of purchasing my bike last year. I don't know if you guys have been keen on how bikes have evolved recently, <laughs> but there's like 4,000 new parts on them that mm. I wasn't familiar with at all. And I walked into the bike shop having ridden a fixed gear bicycle, which is like two wheels and a little frame. <laughs> And I walk up to my buddy who I've actually worked with before in the past. And I was like, hey, man, I'm trying to buy a bike. And he's like, all right, well, what kind of gear setup are you looking at? And I'm like, what? Huh? (laughs) And I had no business expecting to know. But it was one of those things that I knew so little about good bikes that I just expected that it was a simple process. And there's like a specific symptom of this. You think that you're an expert on it because Mm. you actually know so little. Right. Ah. And he had to like baby explain Uh. the process of like a Trek bike to me. (laughs) I felt so stupid. All of a sudden when like the entire world of that knowledge opens up to you, you're like, I know less than nothing. Mine is similar to Kara where sometimes I still lie awake at night and think about some like (laughs) failure from like 12 years ago or something like that. And it was the first time that I was leading chapel in college, leading chapel worship. We were about halfway through the set and one of my guitar strings broke. Ah. And when it did, it snapped and cut the back (gasps) of my hand. Yeah, that can happen. I started bleeding. And so I'm like, still have a worship song to go. My hand is bleeding. My guitar is now like woefully out of tune. Oh no. And I'm like, what do I do? Yeah. I've since heard from people that I supposedly handled it very graciously and well, but that's not how I recall it at all. That's not your version of that. I recall it as utter disaster. Anson died And sometimes I still wake up in the middle of the night like, no. That was just, that was really bad. Don't you wish you could just delete those? And I feel bad. Like, just clear those off your memory. So, yeah. No, I'm going to be like 92. Yeah. I bet everyone still is like, man, that dude didn't know what he was doing. All right. So we'll talk more about humility later. First, what's everybody drinking today? Isaac, what do you got? I was going to save this to do like a cool effect on the microphone. I was going to crack the can open, but I did not. Is it gone? (laughs) It's gone. I drained it. (laughs) This is a double shot Americano compressed into a can from Starbucks. A listener of our sister station, KLRC, actually brought this into the station for me. I don't know. I think I had mentioned I was drinking a lot of coffee this past week and they thought, you know what Isaac needs more of? Coffee. (laughs) So they brought this in. So I've been drinking. Okay, coffee. at the at the wow. risk of making you say something not nice about yes. a gift. Yes, I, I know you're not typically a Starbucks right. product yeah. person. Yeah. So How is, was that? is it good? The canned espresso stuff from Starbucks. They even have like a nitro cold brew in a oh. can now. That's kind of like my Red Bull substitute okay. because it's less ah. like scary chemically. It's more just like <laughs> condensed coffee. It's I've fair. been drinking those, and that's kind of my gas station coffee fix now. Okay, oh, is the right. I don't like the drive through Starbucks, but the little prepackaged yeah. mass-produced stuff is pretty good. Okay. And Kara, how about you? I'm on the complete opposite end of Isaac. I have been on a salted caramel mocha kick 
from the Starbucks. I know it's evil. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> There's grace for everyone. Okay, thank you. I just, I don't know why, but I've just been in the mood for these. They're so good. And technically they're like a holiday drink, I think, but they still carry the syrup. They just don't have the big salt pieces that sure. they put on them all the time. But they're so good, you guys. I know they're not good for you, but they're <laughs> so good. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> well, I feel like I have to immediately add a little bit of a disclaimer to mine because lately I have at very strange times of the day, including like, for example, 10 a.m. on a Wednesday morning, <laughs> I've been drinking virgin pina coladas. <laughs> that rocks. Also, it's January. Also, <laughs> So I get it's just weird all around. You are living moss. But allow me to explain. (laughs) No, there is too much. I'll just sum up. Yeah. My daughter's nine-year-old birthday party (laughs) was a couple weeks ago. Yes. And she wanted to have a fun drink for her birthday party. Sure. With the sushi that we were having for dinner. That was her dinner choice. She wanted to have some sort of drink with coconut in it. So I was like, well, like a pina colada is probably like the go-to thing, right? So we had sushi and pina coladas. Oh my gosh. Amazing. For her birthday party. Her nine-year-old birthday party. (laughs) Now we have this big bottle of pina colada mix. Yeah. And we're like, well, what are we going to use this for? I love this. <laughs> to drink, obviously. <laughs> I don't feel like drinking alcohol at 10 a.m. on a Wednesday morning is probably responsible. <laughs> sure. But making a crushed ice pina colada drink yeah. to get your day going, why not? Go why for it. Not? I mean, I don't know. And it's I, fruit. I love frozen fruity drinks. Yeah. They're great. That's I have no shame about this. You're fully a- embodying the Jimmy Buffett lifestyle right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it's good. January, and I miss summery fruity fun drinks. Yeah. Why so, not? It's there so you awesome. go. <laughs> That's amazing. It. Most random drink. <laughs> I love it. In really real podcast history. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about what's on repeat this week. So I've been listening to Herman Miller by Andy Minio. Sing good. That's that Herman Miller. The fact that he would write a song where like the main sort of hook and focal point is a freaking office chair is the funniest thing in the world to me. Isn't like it? he tweeted something about Herman Miller a while ago and I yeah. was following it. I was like is he really about to write a song? Or okay, what? I didn't know that that's what that was. Confession. I was yeah. like, I okay. thought Herman Miller was just some dude. I was like, why? <laughs> Who is this? I had to explain this to my wife as well. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. So I know this from Isaac and I are apparently office churn nerds. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I game all the time. Herman Miller is kind of like my target for like a good oh. gaming chair. It's the aspirational yeah, okay. office like a chair. It's the Ferrari yeah, of office chairs. There's no way I could afford one. Oh, right, okay. right, right. All gas, no break. It's been kind of my winter biking song. <laughs> It's just one of those just yeah. hyped up. And yes. it's I just cannot get over the fact that this man crafted a song around a Herman Miller That's office. So good. Funny. That's yeah. the Herman Miller. Yeah. Eating good. That's the chick filla. Yeah. It's it's just <laughs> it's a song. It's so good. It's it is definitely song. a song. It's a song. Andy Minio is getting weirder and weirder, and I'm here for all of it. <laughs> okay, I'm listening to Katie Hurst, yours. Yeah. It fits well, I think, with our today in a way, actually, with our word of the week, the line that sticks out to me every time I hear it is, can you reframe all the pictures of the person I thought I needed to be? Mm. You're not looking for a resume. You're looking for a way to be with me. Mm. And so it's just a song about reevaluating like, okay, what is my identity really? Do I really need to be this person that I've created in my head? Mm. Or is it just about being with Jesus as I am? And there's an element of humility in that. My on repeat for this week is Justin Bieber. And I know, I know (laughs) I'm drinking a virgin pina colada and listening to Justin Bieber, which is awesome. What has happened to Anson? (laughs) This is a good song. Keep an open mind. Okay. Anyone by Justin Bieber. 
I understand he's the former only lovable by middle school girls artist, <laughs> but he actually sings some good music now. And mm-hmm. I say sings because he doesn't necessarily write it, I don't think. Uh-huh. Here's one reason why I think I really like this song and also Holy with him and Chance the Rapper that mm-hmm. he released before this. They're John Bellion songs. Oh, John Bellion is writing his songs yeah. well, and producing no, his songs. No wonder. Yeah. And that's why they're good. <laughs> I, yeah. Anyone sort of being a speaker box for John Bellion yeah. is, is good for And Bieber has a good voice. Yeah. He can sing. He yeah. always has been able to sing. Cool. Uh, these are good songs. It's like the perfect 80s power ballad love song. Nice. And every time I hear it, I want to go give my wife a hug. Aww, yeah. Like that's, that's just so like sweet. I hear it and I'm like, oh, I love my wife too. Like, <laughs> As I sip my pina colada. That's so cute. (laughs) (laughs) Words are, in my not-so-humble opinion, our most inexhaustible source of magic. The quote of the week. Serving up a nugget of wisdom to snack on, maybe a few french fries as well. My quote comes from Bob Goff from his book Everybody Always, which I read over a business trip a while ago, but I've kind of revisited it in the time where it's just hard to love people right now, I feel like. And this has been a crazy good resource for me. And one quote that particularly jumped out at me, Bob says, I've spent my whole life avoiding the people Jesus spent his whole life engaging. When I tell you that that hit me like a ton of bricks, boy, I'm still trying to get unflattened from that because, (laughs) wow. I love that because Bob has this whole thing of he acknowledges, of course, boundaries and taking care of yourself when you're dealing with difficult people. Mm -hmm. But also it's this challenge to actually push yourself to reach out with compassion and love people, even if they're the most difficult people in the world. And maybe it's my flaw that I can think of five to 10 people (laughs) in my life that I know that are like that. But I would want that same grace from them. Mm. Mm. So it's only right for me to sort of extend that outward. We're talking about being humble this episode and we're someone's difficult person, right? Ooh. And I think it's ignorant to think that we're not. Good point. I am hard to love for somebody. <laughs> and in reverse, I've got people who are hard to love. Yeah. So maybe if we cut through that a little bit, it'd be better. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, thanks for that convicting yeah. <laughs> statement. No, I, I think that it could be, at least for me, at times tempting to think, that I do a better job of this than some other people do. Mm -hmm. Like, well, I engage with people that are unlovable more than that pharisaical person (laughs) does. Mm -hmm. And yet the very act of doing that is failing to live up to what Bob's talking about here. Like we all, like you said, Isaac, have people that we find are difficult to love or Mm -hmm. that we have a hard time getting along with no matter where they land on politics or their personality or their likes or dislikes or any of those things. Things, yeah. We probably are more likely to just try to shut the door on those people and stay away from them yeah. than to engage them lovingly. Whew. This is not something any of us can escape. Like no matter right. where we fall on anything, we have friends and we have enemies, right? And enemies sounds like a strong word, but I, I mean it in like that biblical sense of like loving our enemies, loving yeah. those people that are hard to love. That's an important reminder to me when at times I think I get a little prideful and I think, oh, well, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't need to work on this as much as other people do. Like that's a, it's a really dangerous place to start. Yeah. Like if I'm, if I'm thinking that I probably have a problem in this area. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. And I hate it, but what you said, <laughs> Isaac is a little convicting that I am someone's difficult 
person to love. Mm. That's where humility really gets you is where yeah. you don't think that you're difficult to love. Yeah. <laughs> right. You're like, yeah. no, but wait, hang on. I probably am. At the very mm. least, we'd like to think that we're not as difficult. Well, to love. obviously like, yeah. we give just a little bit, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. we're like, well, okay. I mean, like I, I'm not perfect. I obviously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, duh. Everybody knows that. <laughs> yeah. But the way you are phrasing it, Isaac goes much deeper than just, yes. I'm not perfect. I probably need to have a healthy understanding of that because it's a healthy understanding of that that is going to enable us to do what Bob is talking about. This book takes it a little bit further and it doesn't open up this rainbow and sunshine world where, well, if you start loving people the way Christ did, everything's going to be automatically easier. (laughs) In fact, it's the opposite of that. Loving difficult people is going to get the ire of people who should be easy to love, if that makes sense, because you looked at what Jesus did in hanging out with prostitutes and tax collectors. (laughs) That got a lot Mm. of people mad at him. Mm. And I think that when you're doing that, you should anticipate some pushback, Mm. but I think it's worth it. Is it just me or it's probably just a case of the Mondays? Am I right? And now it is time for Is It Just Me, where we remind each other that, no, you're not a total weirdo alien for that one thing. (laughs) Hopefully these are things that other people can relate to. Although, who knows? Maybe we'll be able to come up with one over the course of the season where everyone else will be like, yeah, no, no that is just I you. can't wait for that one. <laughs> That'll it, be it's going to come around. And I, I'm so excited for it. Well, let's give this one a try. <laughs> is it just me or should we tell people that we like them more? Ooh. Oh. And this sounds really simple, but in real life, we don't actually do that much. No. Mm. We tend to think, oh, wow, I really respect that person for the thing they just said. Or, mm. wow, that person is really smart. Or, wow, that person is really talented at this thing that they're doing. I have these thoughts about people all the time, but I realized the other day that I rarely verbalize them. Yeah. And the reason that I realized this is because someone did this for me. Mm. Someone just mm. said to me, kind of out of the blue, I like you. And not even I was just talking about complimenting people for their looks or their talents or their abilities or whatever, but just letting people know that we enjoy being around them. Yeah, Yeah. it's not something that we say. Like I just I I don't hear that from other people. That could be because people don't actually enjoy being around me, (laughs) or it could be because like this is just not something that we feel super comfortable with saying to people very Mm -hmm. often. Yeah, and yet I was just so struck by the power of those words to me. Like Mm -hmm. the idea that somebody likes being around me and actually wants to be my friend was so incredibly affirming Mm. that I was like, the warm fuzzies are overflowing (laughs) everywhere. It just made me realize like I have the power to do this for other people. Mm. And yet I like keep it locked away and hidden for some reason. Why do I keep that to myself when the profundity of sharing that with other people (laughs) is so powerful? I like that profundity. Does that make sense? That's a great word. Yeah. Yeah. It totally makes sense. Or is it just me? (laughs) Oh, bringing the tag there. It's not just you. I think that that lines up with we actually have a mandate to build one another up. And I think that that directly falls into that. Make sure that your friends and family know that you're enjoying huh. their company. You love them. You're proud of them. I I yeah. try to tell a couple of my friends every now and then that I'm just proud of them for working hard oh, and that's for so keeping going because it's good to hear that. I agree fully. It's like getting the compliment on one shirt and you're like, that's my shirt now. <laughs> I am Aww. wearing that forever. Yeah. Like that's a good feeling. It is hard though. Like why is it hard to do that? Or I don't know if it's hard to do it. It's hard to remember mm-hmm. to do it maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wonder if here's my humble confession. Most of the time, I'm more worried about what they're thinking of me than 
affirming who they are, mm-hmm. that I'm enjoying them. I'm worried. Are they enjoying me? Right. Am I annoying? Am I measuring up? Which is weird because it seems like that's a humble thing, but it's not. It's yeah. actually yeah. the opposite. Yeah. No, I, I am very much with you there, Kara. Yeah. I feel the same way. I think a lot of times I'm, I'm so self-conscious about yeah. my own interactions with others. That seems like a humble thing of like, do I not have a high opinion of myself? Right. But it really is thinking of myself more than thinking of the other person, right. which really is probably the opposite of, of Ooh, humility. Yeah. And I just think, man, making friends is so hard yeah. anyway, as an adult, especially we don't need to make it harder. Yeah. Right. And no so kidding. when we make people play games around mm-hmm. like, does this person actually enjoy my company? Yeah. Do they like hanging out with me? If I call them up and say like, Hey, do you want to do something or talk on zoom or whatever it is yeah. we do now? Are they going to be responsive to that? Is, some, is that something they're going to enjoy? Or am yeah. I just kind of stepping out in a way? Like it feels so scary to step out and yeah. try to do that. Yeah. That as much like reassurance as we can give each other. Yeah. yeah. All means we should be doing that. We right. Should. Like, yeah. please come to me with invitations. Please, like I yeah. enjoy yeah. hanging out with you because I think you're a cool person. Yeah. Right goes a long way for absolving so many of those self-conscious concerns yeah. that we're all struggling with. Because if you and I are thinking about that primarily, Kara, right. you know the other people are too, right? Exactly. And so yeah. whenever we can step out of ourselves for a moment and say, you know what, I'm going to help you and your yeah. self-consciousness for a second. And I bet when we do that, people are going to be more likely to reciprocate as well, right? Yeah. Right. And simultaneously, I mean, if we're more focused on, okay, I'm going to reassure you, mm-hmm. then we're not focused on our own insecurity in mm. that moment. And so there's power in that too. We're yeah, like, it's yeah. okay if they don't. I'm going to give this to them yeah. as a gift. And if they don't reciprocate, it's okay. At least I gave it to them and I stopped for that second. Mm. I stopped <laughs> thinking about myself yeah. for just a few seconds and was able to actually enjoy this person fully. I'm just curious. Do you think that you received that compliment well? Because I'm very bad at receiving compliments. And it's funny mm. because it's one of those things that I think we seek out naturally. But we're so bad at responding to compliments. Yeah, no, that's a really good question, too. And I agree that that can sometimes be very challenging. Uh I think in that particular situation, my response was I was kind of taken aback. Uh Yeah, it's almost surprising. And so I I basically just said, like, wow, thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Yeah. And I think that's a pretty good response. Yeah, it is. Yeah, agreed. I don't always respond that way. That's the way I would want to respond to that, though, is to affirm back to them, like, that means a lot. That mm-hmm. is of great value to me. Yeah. yeah. And I appreciate you stepping out of yourself mm. to take the time to to say something yeah. like that. I think yeah. we're out of practice in both giving and receiving. And I think Ooh, that as yeah. awkward as it'll be, we need to keep trying. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Let's practice this. And I think if we practice it in our relationships, we're going to see a lot of mm-hmm. fruit from that. Panel of experts. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Now it is time for Panel of Experts, and I am looking forward to this (laughs) segment. This may be the silliest segment. I mean, I don't want to speak too much out in advance. Maybe it won't actually be silly at all. Maybe it'll just be dumb. But I think this could be (laughs) the silliest segment that we've had on the show since we ad-libbed the news. It has silly potential. Many episodes ago. (laughs) They said we could be anything, so we became experts on everything. Basically, the idea behind this segment is that uh, you've seen those TV show 
segments where whether it's on ESPN or CNN or Fox News or whatever, mm-hmm. there's like a, a news show host and they always invite like a panel of experts to show up and, and debate or discuss yes. some random topic. Yes. <laughs> because there's always some expert to call in and get their opinion on the thing. Yes. Since we're not actually experts, we decided it would just be fun to pretend to be. <laughs> sure. And so one of us is going to host their own show That's right. on a given topic. The other two people get to pretend to be experts yes. on said topic. <laughs> and yet we're not experts really no. at anything. And so this will probably go very poorly. And we're I just think. learning the topic as yes, we're also the, the panelists don't actually have any idea what <laughs> they're going to be experts we're on. We're getting the prompt live. Until they're Here told, hey, you're an expert on this. Yes. yes. And then we just have to fake our way through it. That's very exciting. Much like I do my career. Yeah. <laughs> if anything, we should be well prepared. <laughs> this is basically what we're already this doing. This is what we do Let's go. every day. <laughs> All right, so today I am the host, and we are discussing an astounding medical breakthrough Mm. recently announced by a large pharmaceutical company. Some are saying this could be a real game changer. It's a new drug which, after just a few doses, causes you to grow another hand. So here to help us (laughs) here to help us unpack this incredible development, Dr. Knuckles, Chief Medical Officer for Helping Hands Incorporated, Uh the company responsible for the research and development of this new drug. Welcome, Dr. Knuckles. Thank you. It's so great to be here, Kara. We're so excited about this new development. So excited to have you here, Dr. Knuckles. Also joining us today from the FDA, Mr. Stephen Smarty Pants. Stephen, welcome. Thank you. So Dr. Knuckles, let's start with you. How exactly does this miracle drug Dexteritis Pulmonis work? Mm -hmm. Dexteritis Pulmonis works off of our body's natural desire to heal itself once it's been injured. So what happens is you ingest this medication. Your body is convinced that you have a missing hand. So using some lizard DNA, we've actually been able to grow a hand out of the body (laughs) to produce this third. We're calling it the helping hand, which for for eons, (laughs) man has asked the question of, why can't I just do more? So this hand is there to aid in productivity, help you be more generous, because, you know, when you have one more hand to give, you can lend a hand to everybody. That's really good. So question, is this just a hand protruding like directly from your stomach or abdomen or is it attached to an arm? Yes, we're very excited about the multiple levels we offer for this hand. So our base treatment does have the hand protruding from the abdomen. But Helping Hand XL actually gets you a forearm attached to this hand. That's coming later this year in our special gold package for the medication. Beautiful. Okay. And the primary motivation for developing this drug, would you say productivity? So it's twofold. There are actually productivity applications. We're also looking at the military industry as well. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's go to uh, Mr. Smarty Pants. What mm, position... Yes. What, what is the FDA taking on this new drug? I'll tell you, Kara, the FDA is highly, highly concerned about the <laughs> implications and effects of this new drug, as we are with any new drug okay. that is introduced to the general populace. We want to take great care at the FDA to make sure that all drugs administered to the American public are safe <laughs> for consumption and do not cause extreme side effects. And that, mm. frankly, is why the FDA has great concern over the Helping Hand program. We feel like we just do not at this time have a proper understanding of what all the potential side effects could be. Mm. When you start adding hands to people's abdomens, <laughs> there's just a number of potential issues that can happen with the internal organs, for yeah. example. Oh, yeah. We have concerns about the way that this could interact with one's spleen in particular. Oh, oh. Uh, there's a lot of spleen concerns. Also, a few <laughs> kidney concerns as well, Kara. Really think that this extra hand could just do a real number oh, on the kidneys. Yeah. That's why at the FDA, we have not actually given full approval uh, to this drug at this time. 
time. We want to hold off until we have verified that uh, uh, these side effects to the spleen and kidneys are not going to adversely affect the American population. Okay, that is a very good point. If I could just respond really quick to this concern about helping hands. Yes, please. Once again, the FDA trying to tie our hands behind our back and stop progress <laughs> in the medical industry. So, uh, Dr. Smarty Pants, let me ask you a question. Can you compare and contrast what are the similarities between this drug and Propyl Poppy Fender, which was developed back in 2019? Ah, yes. Well, Propyl Poppy Fender actually we feel like is a completely different scenario than the Helping Hands drug because Propyl Poppy Fender is more about adding bulk to the rear of a person <laughs> as opposed to an appendage <laughs> to the front. Mm. Uh, thus, the Fender <laughs> reference in Propyl Poppy Fender. Yes. Um, so when you are adding bulk to your backside, there's very few essential organs in one's buttocks. And so when you add bulk to the backside for comfort in sitting down, for example, it's really just a matter of cushion as opposed to the internal arrangement that is discombobulated by the helping hands drug, which actually is attaching an entire appendage to your front side where your internal organs reside. And we feel like that is just a critical difference between these two drugs. I see. Okay. So Dr. Knuckles, how would you respond to the allegations that this drug might create an unfair advantage in certain sporting events? I would respond that it absolutely does, which is why everyone (laughs) in sporting events should be prescribed helping hand. And let Uh, me just say that the proper pop defender (laughs) argument that uh, Dr. Smarty Pants has presented is completely unsurprising. The FDA has been in the pocket of big butt for years. (laughs) They've been producing all of these studies to stifle the progress of helping hands in favor of Propyl Poppy Fender. That is a completely unfair accusation, and the FDA is in the pocket of no big anything. We are dedicated to America's safety and health. That is our primary and, in fact, only concern. We want people to be able to enjoy the benefits of drugs when those benefits outweigh the risks, Kara. Uh, And uh. in the case of uh, one of these drugs, we feel like that is indeed true. And in the case of the other, we just want to be able to take the time to properly research it and make Mm. that determination for the safety of the American public. I see. I see. Just one more question for you, Dr. Knuckles. I've heard you've had a few high profile figures step forward offering to be your first test subjects. Can you tell us who they are? I can't tell you specifically who they are, Kara, but the name does rhyme with bomb dudes. Or I'm sorry, it's Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is volunteering (laughs) to take helping hands to assist in the new Mission Impossible movies. Okay. It's going to be very cool to see a third suction cup hand helping him scale Ah, uh, skyscrapers. It's going to be great. I can see the use for that. Mm -hmm. And just one more question for you, Mr. Sparty Pants. Where did you get those light up glasses? Because those are sharp, like for the benefit of our listeners. They're like these light up (laughs) shoes that you get when you were a kid, except these flash neon green every time he has a good idea, which is a lot. Well, when you're debating knuckleheads, like uh, (laughs) my fellow panelist here, you need some sort of symbol that lets people know when you are speaking something that is true. And I do that basically all the time. And so that's why I secured these glasses through our friends over at Big Butt Incorporated, who have also come up with once again fantastic product that helps to prove the efficacy of drugs that are beneficial to the American public and to disprove the allegations, spurious allegations, frankly, that are put forth by Dr. Knuckles. I was unaware that I was going to be in a commercial (laughs) for this Balderdash product. Kara, as the old saying goes, a hand on the torso is worth two in the bush. (laughs) So we're just trying to make sure someone gets a helping hand in America. Okay. Dr. Knuckles, Mr. Smarty Pants, thank you very much uh, for your time today. Without much further ado, I give you 
the word of the week. Word of the week is like a perspective potluck, but with words and ideas instead of caramelized ham and Swiss buns. Ooh. Have you ever had those like sheet pans where they get the Hawaiian rolls oh. and then they put the like deli meat and cheese yes. on them and then they just throw the whole thing in the oven that's melty and then you just eat the little sliders. Yep. And- <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. It's very good. Hungry now. Also good is our word of the week for this week, which is humility. Mm. Humility. I feel like some of the words that we've discussed have very easily fallen into a camp of this is a positive, happy mm-hmm. word, or mm. this is a negative, sad word. And I feel like humility is actually kind of somewhat in the middle. On the one hand, humility is indeed a virtue, mm-hmm. right? Yet humility is a virtue that can be leveraged in some inappropriate ways. Mm. It can be something that we use or define wrongly. And Mm. when we do that, it's something that can cause damage. Mm. And so I feel like there's a lot of different ways that we can go with the word humility. But like most of our discussions, I want to start us out by defining our terms. Mm -hmm. Let's take our best shots. This may be kind of a a group project as we discuss it. But what would be our first stab at attempting to define the word humility? I would say humility is having an accurate understanding of yourself, a realistic picture of your flaws and your strengths. I'd kind of piggyback that and say it's a reasonable understanding of your role in relation to other people. So there's two interesting components there. One, Kara is talking about our relationship to ourself. Mm -hmm. And then Isaac, you're bringing in a secondary component, which is understanding ourselves, but in relation to others as well, yeah, right? That's important. Yeah. Can you flesh that out a little bit more for me? Like, yeah, this kind of rocked me a little bit. I saw this image and it was kind of an art piece and it just said, you're not the protagonist. Wow. Encapsulated in that is this idea that the earth isn't comprised of 7 billion main characters. We're, <laughs> we're not all the, <laughs> the scrappy protagonist. Mm. We're people who are here to be a part of a whole. That runs contradictory to our hyper-individualistic nature. Yeah. And I think that pride feeds off of that hyper-individualism a lot because that means that all of a sudden I'm better than my neighbor, therefore I deserve more. Mm. Humility makes me step back and go, Okay, how would I approach my relationships if I got this idea that I'm the main important character out of my head? It kind of goes back to what Kara was talking about in one of our previous segments. When we focus in on ourselves more and more, we tend to be thinking of others less. That seems like it could be a potential fuel, I guess, for getting our sense of self out of whack a little bit. Yeah, Yeah, imbalance. Because, Mm. yeah, if we're only aware of our own reality, then it's going to be hard to have an accurate picture of our relationship to ourselves and to others. Yeah, I have heard a lot of people define humility as kind of this quip. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Mm -hmm. Do you agree with that statement? I think for the most part I do, because I think there's some misunderstandings about humility. There's some misconceptions that humility is some sort of Mm self-loathing or insecurity or never being able to accept a compliment, right. which is thinking of yourself as like a less than I am the scum mm. of the earth. And that's mm-hmm. humility. Yeah. I think that that's an assumption that can be developed sometimes in Christian subculture. Yeah. And I don't think that's accurate. However, thinking of yourself a little less often, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think probably does fit a little bit more with what scripture outlines. You mentioned that you feel like this misunderstanding is particularly prevalent mm-hmm. in Christian subculture. And I would agree with you on that. Why do you think that is? Like, what are the reasons for this misunderstanding? How do mm-hmm. we get maybe in our own minds to a place where we have an unhealthy understanding of what humility is? 
is. It mm-hmm. feels like an overcorrection from fear of pride yes. and boastfulness. If you're explaining it to a child, it's relatively easy to be like, don't don't just say that you're better than other people. That's not good. Right. And I think that a lot of the times that's from a good place, like that's good intentions mm-hmm. there. But when we overcorrect from boastfulness and pride, I think that leans into maybe self-deprecation and a little bit of thinking less of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's just as dangerous, though. I think it's just as consuming. And that's what's weird about it is I've heard people say before, well, pride can also be insecurity. And I'm like, what? That makes no sense. But if the opposite of humility is kind of this self preoccupation, Mm -hmm. then absolutely Mm -hmm. insecurity can be that it can be all consuming and make it really difficult for you to see anybody else. You're just consumed with your own unworthiness. Right. I don't disagree with the doctrine of original sin and that we are born sinful people and we're in need of redemption. I agree with all of that, but I do think there are times where the church maybe emphasizes that to a point where it's difficult to come out of it. It's difficult to see yourself as being made in the image of God. All you see is like, I'm a despicable human being. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting point, Kara, and one that I've spent a lot of time thinking about this doctrine of total depravity and the effect that that has. I feel like oftentimes the warped or distorted sense of self that comes out of that doctrine is a really unfortunate misunderstanding and misapplication of that doctrine rather than a problem with the doctrine itself. A proper understanding of the doctrine of total depravity, which then must be followed up by God's irresistible grace, if you want to use the Calvinist terms, (laughs) is actually really beneficial for our Mm. understanding of our value and our self-worth and for a healthy understanding of what humility looks like. Most importantly, it reminds us where our value is centered. Our value is other centered. It's Mm. centered in God and not in ourselves. Right. right? Like I don't have immense value because of me and who I am and what I do. I have immense value because of who God is and what God does and how God loves me, right? Yeah. right. If, if I believe that in the doctrine of total depravity, that I am a sinner and that there is literally no good that I am capable of doing apart mm. from God at work in me, that leaves very little room for boasting clearly, right? Yeah. But as you've pointed out, the danger of that thought process is that I can then swing all the way to the opposite side and say, that means I have no value at all because there's no good in me. Right. Right. But the thing is I have value, not because there is good in me, Mm -hmm. but because of the goodness of God and my understanding of how deep my depravity runs actually makes God's glory and his grace all the greater, all Mm -hmm. the bigger, right? It's all that more fantastic because I deserve it so little, Right. right? If God who is so big and righteous and just loves me that much, despite the fact that I literally don't deserve it at all. Mm-hmm. Like that means that I have incredible value, right. right? It's just, where is that value centered? And that is a dramatically different way of thinking about myself than the way I normally operate Yeah, because I'm pretty self-centered Yeah, like for good or for bad. <laughs> like yeah. I think about myself a lot. There and should be a sense of freedom that comes with it. Yeah. I that's think a that, good way to put it. I think we get hung up on an incomplete sentence mm-hmm. when we say the doctrine of total depression. Gravity. We say, well, I'm 
completely worthless and I am born into filth. But the other <laughs> half of that, and for some reason, <laughs> the creator of the universe says that I'm redeemed in him and loved by him. That, right. That's that other part of the sentence. Mm. But I think that we see that one part and we're like, oh, I'm depraved. <laughs> that's when we park the car there for yeah, way too long. It's got to be a both and conversation. Yeah. Like yeah. All yeah. of that is super important. And you could say, okay, well, how does thinking about theology practically help me to be a more humble person? Right. When we take all of that theology and bring it back to pragmatically, like how we relate to others, Mm -hmm. if we are fundamentally other centered in our understanding of our own value, we're much more likely to be other centered in the way we relate to other people. Right. Because if your identity is already secure, if your value is already secure in something outside of yourself, then you don't have to protect yourself in situations where humility seems dangerous. Right. Right. Humility, it can feel scary. It feels like letting your guard down. It feels like, no, no, I have to protect my value, my sense of Mm -hmm. self-worth. But if my value and worth is centered in something else, then I'm not in trouble. There's not as much fear there. Yeah. You can Um, have more vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And that's why I think this is so important. And I apologize for my theological geek out because I get (laughs) excited about this Never apologize for that. But I do think the best way for us to cultivate humility Mm. is growing in our knowledge of the character of God. Mm. Christ is the ultimate example of humility, is he not? Yeah. Which sounds like a duh kind of thing to say because Christ (laughs) is the ultimate example of every good thing. But I feel like it's especially striking with Mm -hmm. humility because if anyone ever had a right to ditch it, it was him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because he's God. Right. Right. So he actually would have been justified. Yet he displays that difficult to grasp tension that we've been discussing. Mm -hmm. An accurate estimation of his own self-worth. He didn't shy away from saying, I'm the son of God. Like he he stated that very clearly and very strongly. Yeah. And so he had an accurate estimation of who he was. Yep. But it was also paired with an intense focus on serving other people. Yeah. Mm. The same person that called out Lazarus washed feet. Mm. And that's so cool to me. He can turn water into wine and then those same hands went Mm. and washed the dirt and camel poop off of the feet (laughs) of his friends. Like that completely blows me away every time I think about it. And of all the descriptions that Jesus gives of himself, I am the light of the world. I am the shepherd. I am all these things. One of the ways that he describes himself really clearly is I am gentle and humble in heart. And that is pretty striking. That's one of his main invitations is come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, because I am gentle and humble in heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And even further than Christ, is the source of that humility for Mm. us, right? I think the one place where we could kind of get off on our understanding of Christ's example of humility to us Mm -hmm. is where we so often, well, speak for myself, I so often get off, is Jesus gave us a great example of this (laughs) virtue. Yeah. So if I try really hard to do exactly what Jesus did, then I'll be good too. Right, right, right. That's That literally fails every time. Every time. (laughs) Right, because Mm -hmm. I'm not capable of living up to that example. Now, to be clear, That doesn't mean that I should just give up. But again, it it comes Mm -hmm. back to understanding where the source of our value and the source of our strength comes from. Right. Right. Like I cannot emulate Christ because I have the ability to do so within myself. It's I can emulate Christ because Christ is in me. Right. And so it's Christ's strength that allows me to emulate him. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a really important thing because otherwise we slip right back into this like self-obsession of like, I'm not good enough. I'm not measuring up. I'm not living up to this example that Christ set for me. Yeah. And so then my self-worth just like plummets Plummets. through the floor. Yeah. I think about that a lot too. Two things here. My favorite example of our relationship to God 
is in Ant-Man when the little girl gets the ugly doll for her birthday party and she's like, he's so ugly. I love him. If I were like hip backwards cap youth pastor, that's how I would start. That would be your illustration. I would like, it's so beautiful. We're that ugly, crappy doll. Isaac, I love that. I just think about that all the time. Mm. And another way that I look at it is like, our dad is a master painter by the likes of Da Vinci and Monet. And we are a three-year-old bringing him a finger painting of our best rendition of his work. (laughs) It looks awful. And and the paint is smeared on our faces and we've eaten some of it. And we're turning it in like, we did what you did. And God is like, I love you. (laughs) Yeah, like the best we can do is a flawed Mm. train wreck of a rendition of everything Jesus did. Mm. But I think we're called to at least attempt it completely imperfectly. Right. Right. We are going to be eventually able to produce beautiful paintings. Yeah. Like we are capable of doing that again through right. the spirit indwelling in us. That's an other centeredness. It's like the little boy with the loaves and fish who was like, hey, I have lunch. And <laughs> Jesus is like, cool, watch this. 5,000 people get fed. Right. Like, yeah. That's what it feels yeah, like to so me. Like, real yeah. powerful things can happen, right. but not through our own strength. Right. As you guys are talking, I keep thinking about this verse in Romans 12, 3 that combines these two things of like, okay, thinking of yourself realistically but also thinking of yourself in terms of where your value and identity is. Mm. So it says this, don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. Mm. So you're not measuring yourself by yourself or by anybody else. You're measuring yourself only according to basically what you've been given as a gift, which creates a whole bunch of humility. Because if (laughs) everything I have and am is a gift, then where's the room for pride in that? Even your faith. Yeah. Even my faith. Your faith is not something that you generated on your own. It's exactly. something God gave you, right? Exactly. And so it completely changes the dynamic of all of this. I get so excited about yeah. that concept because mm-hmm. I just feel like it makes the word humility make so much more sense. Right. Yeah. Like than just, oh, I have to act like... <laughs> unimpressed with myself or I have to try really hard to yeah. have like this low opinion of myself right. and never Which say is like this really weird combination of like, it I is. have to try really hard no, yeah, to, my- to debase myself. Like that, <laughs> it just doesn't really make any sense until I think you start to like connect all of these dots. Yeah. And then you go, Oh, this makes all the sense in the world. I have a really interesting practical example of humility that came up recently. It was a Saturday morning. My husband and I were cooking breakfast. He happened to flip on this documentary about the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. It was like a reunion (laughs) episode. And I was like, oh, fun. You know, it's from my childhood. And hang with me here. There's (laughs) a point to this. You had me at Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I know, right? Okay. You've got my attention. I know. So they're going through and they're reliving all these memories and it's great. And then you come to this point in the documentary and Will Smith stops and goes, okay, so in families, There are things that we don't talk about. And the thing that we don't talk about in this family is, I think her name was Vivian. There were two different actresses that played the aunt in this show. Okay. And the first actress, I believe her name was Vivian. She was there for like three years. And Mm -hmm. then a different one came and he was like, we don't talk about Vivian, but I can't do a show about how great this show was. I can't celebrate this show without acknowledging her contribution and celebrating her. So then he said, I got in touch with her after like 25 years of not speaking to this woman. Wow. He got in touch with her and arranged a meeting and they filmed it, which takes, (laughs) takes a lot of guts in my opinion. So the deal was, I didn't know any of this backstory, but she left the set on not good terms. And it sounds like Will Smith was a big part of that. 
Mm. Now he was a young kid. He's like 21 years old. Sounds like they had trouble working together. Uh-huh. And so they sit down and he basically says to her, you know what? I never really heard your side of the story. I don't mm. know your story. Will you tell me your story? Mm. And so she starts telling him when this all unfolded, I was pregnant. I was in an abusive marriage. I was going through this and this and this. I started to shut mm. down on the set. She said, I wasn't difficult to work with. I just stopped talking to people because I didn't know who I could trust. Mm, yeah. And Will's sitting over there listening and nodding. Pretty soon she starts to say kind of some hard things. Like if I'm yeah. Will Smith sitting on the other end of this, I'm going, oh man. Yeah. She starts to say, that was extremely heartbreaking and painful for me. There are things that you said and she wasn't like totally accusing, but it was very real. She's sure. like, your word meant everything to people. And you said a few words and basically like ruined my career. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. just a few words from you. People just wanted to avoid me because wow. you said I was difficult. And he just like, he did not defend himself. Huh. He sat there and listened. He did offer perspective, but he never jumped in and said, no, but, but here's what was, he just said, right. man, he's like, I, I didn't know that. And he said, now as an adult, having children of my own, having been through some things, I can look back and see that you were in pain. Mm. I can see how hard things were for you. And he said, I was 21 years old. Everything was a threat to me and that wasn't okay. And they like sit in this moment, these few moments of tension and <laughs> yeah. like there was tension, but it wasn't because it's really difficult it to explain truth, extreme truth. And all I could think while I was sitting there, like I stopped what I was doing and watched because I was like, what is happening right now <laughs> yeah. on this show? Yeah. This is so powerful. I've never seen such a tangible example of humility yeah. for someone to like be willing to sit in front of someone else to willingly bring them in and be like, tell me how I ruined your life 25 years ago. Yeah, and yeah. I will listen. I will listen to what you have to say. I will enter into your pain mm -hmm. and acknowledge my part in it. And then how can we heal this? How can we get to a better place than this? Which you would think would be impossible, but it wasn't. Yeah. They literally got to the other side of this and they both were like, yeah, I hear you. That makes so much sense. And then they both said at the end, I'm so sorry. Are we good? And it was like this yeah. miraculous. Yeah. And they cried and I'm so glad we had this That's conversation. Awesome, yeah. And I just can't get over it. You guys, like how much humility does it take yeah. to invite someone to tell you how you hurt them and be willing yeah. to listen to it and accept that and then say, yeah, you're right. I own that. Mm. And I'm really sorry. Yeah. Yeah. But it was so powerful on the other side of it. Like she came back to the set and they really did celebrate her contribution to the show. And That's it's like, beautiful. she became a part of it again. And it's like he redeemed that for her because he was willing to go to that uncomfortable place and not just focus on his own image and his own, this is all about me and making sure that I look good yeah. in this 25, 30 year reunion show. He's like, no, we need to, we need to talk about this. Yeah. You brought up something in that, that he said that I think is a really cool contrast at 21. He took in everything mm. as a threat yes. to him and he processed everything as a threat. Right. And I don't know what it is about young person brain. I viscerally feel that yeah. like I understand. I think that I'm just sort of coming out of that. And I think that that's both a, mental, physical, and spiritual maturity that you mm. sort of grow into. Agreed. But I think, though, it is tempting 
to fall back into that mindset. Mm -hmm. And I think that empathy is a huge thing in that because empathy pulls you away from your defensive phalanx of emotion. Like, don't let anything hurt this. Right. I just so relate to that. I think that that's such a crazy thing to break out of because I think it only does cause damage. Like that sort of radical self-centeredness. Totally agree, Isaac. And that's a beautiful illustration, Kara. And and it makes me think of uh, some words I read earlier this week from a old Bible commentator, Matthew Henry. And he said, in order to practice humility, we must be charitable in our judgment of others. Yes. Mm. He says, if we assume the best of other people in the church, we will find ourselves more readily surrendering our own rights in order to serve them. Mm. If we assume the worst, we will find it nearly impossible Mm. to serve our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I know I just got done rattling on for like 20 (laughs) minutes about our depravity and our sinfulness, but because of God's love for us, Mm -hmm. every one of us has value and we have to approach our brothers and sisters charitably because if we're approaching from that defensive posture, it kills any opportunity that we have Mm. to respond to other people in humility. If if we're operating out of that defensive stance that just squelches it like Will Smith in this example, all these years later, finally approaching this woman from a place of charitable judgment and saying like, I want to hear your side of the story Mm -hmm. because I want to appreciate your perspective that completely changes the game and unlocks an opportunity to display humility and kindness and graciousness in a way that simply isn't possible until we make that conscious decision. And it's powerful. I think that's what I came away with. A lot of times when we think about this virtue, we're like, I don't want to do that (laughs) because I mean, it doesn't, it's not fun. It's hard. It can be painful to go there, obviously, but to see the joy that came about from that and like Mm -hmm. the relief and the power. Why don't we do this more? Why do we not want this? Because it's incredibly magnetizing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why, why do I avoid this when it's so beautiful and so powerful? We do have (laughs) a word from our sponsor this week. Since 2016, Google home has been listening closely to what our customers want from us. You've been telling us in your request to your assistant, and in your conversations with your loved ones that were picked up on our microphones. We've used this valuable customer feedback to bring you a new exciting product, Hans. We've been listening. We've been listening about your concerns for privacy, your worries on big tech, your need for your data to be protected. I'm sure you have. We've really, and I mean really, been listening. Hans isn't like our competitor's digital assistant because he's not digital. Upon our launch date, your personal Hans, a real life Google employee, will move into your home to fulfill (laughs) all of your search inquiries personally. Oh, my goodness. Hans will use his advanced ocular sensors, or rather his eyes, (laughs) to observe your behavior every second of your day and make recommendations on how to improve your daily routines and which Google products to assist you with those. Oh, dear. Okay. Each Hans works completely off of bio-organic energy. So you can save on electricity. Simply provide Hans their daily nutritional packet (laughs) available via our monthly subscription service and Hans will be good to go. Oh, gosh. And this is quick aside here. This is my personal testimony here. Um, I've had trouble sleeping at night, Mm -hmm. so I've used my Hans to help me with my sleep data. Oh. I didn't realize that when I asked him to track my sleep data, that would just involve him watching me with a clipboard all night. (laughs) But I will say the data he's provided has been invaluable. (laughs) 
okay. it's very good. Okay, well, there you yeah. go. You know, sometimes you have to give something up to gain something somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. So Google Hans can't recommend it enough. Coming to the market later this year. Wow. Okay, guys, that just about wraps up episode 65 of the Really Real podcast. So let's put a bow on it. Instead of drawing a blank, we're going to fill one in. So here's our fill in the blank for this week. In order to better cultivate humility, I'm going to focus on blank. Isaac, what do you think? In order to cultivate humility, I'm going to focus on others. Hmm. Simple and to the point. Yeah. I like it. In order to cultivate humility, I'm going to focus on my secured value in Jesus. Mm. In order to cultivate humility, I'm going to focus on judging charitably. Mm. All right. Let's go get some caramelized ham and sauce buns. <laughs> yes. Yum. Thanks for listening to the Really Real Podcast. Don't forget to pass this episode along to your friends. Unless your friends don't like good podcasts. In that case... Keep them as far away from this as possible. Get more awesome content to share in our Real FM Insider Facebook group at real.fm slash insiders. Tune in next time to hear Anton, Kara, and Isaac say... That was as dumb as I was hoping. <laughs> Good. Good.